This is the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless, a weekly podcast hosted by Chris Milson, a podcast to help break the stigma of mental health and to remind everyone that it is okay to be not okay, and to remind those that they are never alone. Please also note that Chris is not a psychologist or psychiatrist and is speaking from research and experiences. Trigger warning for those for the possible explicit content and language. Good afternoon, Warriors, and welcome to another episode of the Mental Health Movement Podcast List. I am your host, Chris, and thank you guys so much for the support. The last couple of interviews that I've had um, have been great with Tiffany, Heather, and of course, our last podcast with Victoria. Uh, thank you to all my guests who have been on here so far. I look forward to having more of you uh, in future podcasts. Uh, this specific podcast today is going to be on grief and how to cope with loss. Now, I was going to save this one for maybe when this podcast, uh, you know, maybe I had like 20, 30 episodes, but I feel like the given circumstances for this past week for me, I feel like this podcast can help me and can help anybody else who will listen uh, to this podcast. So, um, before I get started, um, I, I just want to offer my condolences um, to all that were inf- affected in uh, Uvalde, Texas, and I apologize if I butchered the name of that city. Um, the tragedy that happened in the elementary school is terrible. Something has to change. I'm not really sure what, and obviously I'm not in a position of power to make those changes, but um, you know, it's time that our leaders do something, it's time that something gets done. I I don't know what, um, but, you know, I hate bringing up politics on here. You know, I don't like talking about politics or, you know, any world issues that are outside of mental health, but I feel like this is something that is very mentally tolling or, yeah, mentally tolling to everybody, including myself. So, Hopefully we can actually start making change. And this isn't just another hashtag for anybody. This isn't just another uh, right versus left or politician versus politician. You know, let's get something done. Let's make a change, protect our kids, protect our future. Cause you know, we're, we're in tough times, you know, it's, it's difficult to, to separate um, all of the world events and your your inner peace, but, you know, sometimes you just got to block out the noise. And I know that's hard for so many of you, but I I don't watch the news. I don't pay attention to who's running an office, you know, whatever. Um, I stay up to date with as much as I can, but I refuse to dip myself in that pool of negativity. So that being said, we are uh, coming to an end of Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, I have done a daily quote or a daily post in the Mental Health Movement Facebook group. If you guys don't follow, um, if you want to support, uh, please do. If not, totally understandable. It's not for everybody. Um, I've been trying to do a daily quote every single day. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of it's a positive reactions. Uh, a lot of it has been uh, very powerful Um, I did two or three posts uh, regarding things going on in my personal life that I thought were good to post because, you know, outside of therapy, I feel like the group helps me heal. Um, 
you know, all the things that have gone on this last two, three years of the pandemic, um, it's just, it's been overwhelming. You know, I'm not going to say that my struggle is worse than anybody else's because it's not a competition. Trauma is not a competition. And many people forget that. And a lot of people um, like to say, you know, uh, I broke my leg and then somebody else is met with, oh, well, I broke my leg back and I have PTSD, I have anxiety. You know, it's some people making competition out of it, guys. And we're all in this fight together. You know, we're all struggling in some way or another. That's not to dismiss anybody's struggles. My struggles are no greater or no worse than anybody else's. Um, you know, I am here for anybody that I can be, but, you know, you have to be willing to help yourselves as well, you know, because uh, a couple podcasts ago, um, I, I believe it was, I was talking about therapy and basically it said that some people are too reliant on the resources instead of trying to help themselves. While I agree with that, I feel like it's kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, when you're going to therapy and, you know, you're, you're venting and everything, right? but you're not willing to put in those steps of trying to change your life. So you wait till your next therapy session to get that, uh, you know, euphoric feeling where, okay, I feel good for a week. And then all of a sudden you crash. You got to build that foundation for yourself. You, you got to be able, be willing to put in the work for yourself and be willing to make the positive change that you need in your life. You have toxic parents, you have a toxic family member, build those boundaries don't just take it. You are nobody's punching bag. Once you start those boundaries, you know, a, a lot more things become possible. And that goes for saying everything else, you know, everything else in your life. You don't like your job. Okay. Work, whatever you you're working at your job. Mean in the meantime, look for another job. Uh, you know, I know it's not that easy. You can't just snap your fingers and say, Hey, I want a new job, but you have to be willing to put yourself out there, put out applications, you know, research what you can do with the skills that you feel like that you are confident in. You know, I, I don't really care for my job, but it pays the bills and I can do this mental health podcast. I can run the Facebook group. It's not, my job isn't something I'm very passionate about, but I'm doing this. I'm doing this podcast for myself, for you guys, for whoever listens to this every, every other week that I release these. And a lot of it's positive reaction. You know, uh, if you guys want me to cover something that I haven't, I'm all ears. I'm open to criticism. I want to be able to help anybody that I can. And I, I said in a post the other day on, on in the mental health group, um, it's not so much reaching a million people with one post. It's not so much reaching a million people on the podcast. You know, if there's that one person that listens to this, that comes across this podcast and listens just even 30 seconds or, you know, 20 minutes of this podcast and it gets something out of it, that's more than enough for me. And that's what I feel like so many of these people in this field don't seem to process when it comes to being in the mental health field, they kind of, oh, well, it's a paycheck or, you know, I don't want to indulge myself in too much of this because it consumes me. You know, I, I feel like when you start getting paid for a passion, that's when you start losing that passion because now it's becoming a chore. Now it's becoming a job. 
not saying that's true for everybody because I have met some magnificent people that are in this field that love helping people that love uh, cheering for anybody who is, is struggling, you know, and giving them the validation of their victories and celebrating them when they never had that, like me in, in my situation, you know, uh, therapy is the best possible thing that could have happened for me because I never got the validation for my parents. I never got the, I'm happy for you for my parents, you know, and I fought my entire life seeking that validation from my parents. And while it never came, it took me going to therapy to realize that that validation may never come. And that's okay. Because I know what I'm worth. I know what I bring to the table. And I know that I can help people with my struggles and my story and be able to share it to you guys. So I'll put a rest on that conversation. But um, with the mental health month, um, I feel this should be every month, every month, you know, 24, seven, 365. It shouldn't be just restricted to a month. Cause I feel like a lot of these, uh, you know, corporations be like, uh, you know, mental health month, we're going to uh, change all our lights to the mental health colors. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. That's great. Awareness is great. I, you know, I, I will consistently preach the words of mental health, any chance I get to anybody but it should be a year round thing. It should not be just a month. It should not be uh, just a specific day saying, oh, well, I hope you're doing well. And then ignore that person for the rest of the year. It's, it, there's so much, you know, as you guys can see on my wall, you know, I got mental health stuff here. I got mental health stuff here. You know, there's, there's a lot to mental health that a lot of people are not willing to put themselves into. And I, and I get it. Mental health is, is something that a lot of people struggle to even talk about. And that's fine. That's why this podcast was made. That's why the Facebook was, uh, group was made. Because if I can share my story and somebody can relate, great. And if not, you know, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not interested in getting a billion people uh, on listening to one podcast. While that sounds great, it's unrealistic. But if I can help even 20, 30 people or just one person, I'm fine. Um, so really quick, uh, going into the month of June, it is Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month. Um, specifically, June 20th is, um, I'm assuming they do free brain scans. Uh, I think that's what they do for Alzheimer's. Um, not 100% on that. Um, and then you got Men's uh, Mental Health Month or Men's Health Month. Um, and there's a specific week from the 13th to the 21st. Uh, I've already seen um, there being like marathons being uh, done for men's health month, um, reach a hundred miles by the end of the month. Um, I'm assuming it's like some sort of a donations or something that they put somewhere. And then of course, PTSD awareness, um, June 27th, uh, more specifically. Um, I feel all those are super important. Again, I don't feel like things should be confined to a day, week, or month, but it's okay. You know, as long as we're chugging along in the right direction and we're trying to make a difference of mental health and trying to impact the world in some way, I guess, you know, it's, it's okay. Um, all right. So 
as I mentioned, this is a podcast about grief and how to cope with loss. Um, I myself um, still grieving a lost brother, uh, a lost piece of my heart from two years ago. Um, when we get further into the podcast, I, I would love to read to you the posts that I made for both my brother and for somebody who was very close to my heart. Um, but for now, let's dig into this podcast, uh, starting off with the five stages of grief. Now, many people seem to have this misconception that the five stages happen in order, and that is anything but the truth. You can accept that somebody passed away. You can accept that, you know, they're gone, they took their life, or they, you know, whatever happened. Um, it, do, it doesn't happen in any specific order. Everybody grieves differently. Um, so the five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Um, denial, I feel like, is almost always happens um, first for everybody. Um, again, it's not true for every every single person, but denial, I feel like, hit me her, uh, first just because I didn't want to believe that my brother was gone. I, I didn't want to believe that somebody took his life and it took me probably six months to accept that he's gone. Um, I feel like, see the depression part, I feel like either you have depression or you're sad. And a lot of people, I feel like mixes those two, uh, two up. I feel like if you have depression, that depression just doesn't go away. You can't just wake up tomorrow and be like, all right, I'm not depressed anymore. No, that's not the truth at all. You know, you're, Depression sticks with you in one way or another. You can have everything going for you. Everything is great. And then one day you wake up and it crashes within an instant. It happens to everybody with depression. You know, everybody that struggles with something, it happens. Nobody is immune to depression, but I feel like depression isn't something you just wake up and have. It's something that either is developing in your childhood, developing in your teen years, and, you know, it shows its ugly head uh, at a certain age. But that depression, either you have it or you don't. Um, and a lot of people just kind of seem to throw out those buzzwords saying, oh, I have anxiety or I have depression, I have PTSD. And a lot of people don't really understand, you know, the meanings behind those or they just kind of say it to throw a label on themselves. Like my friend Caleb said, if you don't throw a label on somebody uh, that's going through something, then it's like, okay, I can get over this. But the second you throw a label on anybody, it's like, oh, well, you have uh, ADD or you have this, you have that. You immediately put yourself in a box and you can't get out of that box because you're setting unrealistic expectations for yourself. So I kind of feel like, again, with the depression thing, you're just throwing it out there because it's a buzzword that we hear every single day. Oh, well, I'm depressed. I'm depressed. Are you depressed? Or are you feeling sad? And people need to differentiate the two because I can tell you right now that depression has been with me my entire life. I, I wish I could wake up and say I don't have it anymore, but it's, it's something that just kind of stays in the back of your head and never goes away. Um, anger. I feel like, when the facts come to surface is when the anger starts kicking in, you know, somebody took my brother's life and I was angry. It was upset. Um, so it just, it kind of feels like that anger comes when the facts of the matter come, you know, whether it's somebody that took their own life or had their life taken away or something sudden. 
Um, I feel like if somebody's going by natural causes, I, I don't know if anger ever plays a part um, in the grieving process. I, when my grandfather passed away when I was younger, I don't remember being angry because I, I think I was just too young to have that emotional intelligence. Um, I can honestly say that I was angry when my friend that passed away in 2020, when she passed away, suddenly I was angry because I felt like the doctors could have done more and so on and so forth. And, you know, she was gone before her 30th birthday. So it's just, it's one of those things where it's circumstantial. I think, I don't know if everybody has that anger when they're grieving. Um, maybe it's just something that you're, you're feeling briefly. If there's natural causes and they're, you're angry that somebody passed away. I don't know. Um, I feel like anger is circumstantial. I definitely could be wrong. Um, the bargaining thing is a big one. Um, man, uh, just to get a little personal on this one, I won't dive in too much, but for me, when both of the people that I lost passed away, I wished it was me and not to get super deep with that. I, you know, I felt like one was, you know, just finally starting to get better. She was out of the hospital and then she got, had to go back for surgery and then passed away. How could something happen to such a sweet person? And then when my brother passed away by somebody being careless, again, he was the impact he had on people. I can't even describe to you guys because he was such a magnificent person. If you guys never met him, Santi was the definition of a genuine, loyal human being. And I, at the time, I wished it was me instead of him because he had a family. He had all these people that he was impacting and, you know, just wake up one day and suddenly that happens and you don't know when your time is, you know, we're all on borrowed time, not to get too dark, but we're all on borrowed time. And it sucks looking at life that way, but it just goes to show you that all your time is precious with whoever. I'm not saying let toxic family members into your life because they're going to pass away someday. I'm saying make that peace with yourself to that uh, for that person not to them but to yourself all you have to do is forgive yourself for being involved with that toxic relationship being involved with that toxic family member and letting them use you as a punching bag i can tell you firsthand that i was a punching bag for 27 years of my life and when i started therapy i learned to accept that none of this was my fault None of it was because of me. It was because of whatever they were going through as young parents and a divorce when I was very young again. Um, there's a lot of trauma there. And you have to make that peace within yourself. Don't live your life with regrets. Um, I don't have any regrets with Santi. I don't have any regrets with Amy because before I, before both passed away, I always let them know that I love them. You know, uh, the last talk conversation I had 
with Santi was that I loved him and I appreciated him. And same with Amy when she was in the hospital before she passed away. Uh, you know, I checked on her, told her I cared about her. And then I uh, got a message uh, two days later that she passed away. And, you know, it, it sucks. Um, but again, guys, we're on borrowed time. Just seek that inner peace within yourself. You know, don't, don't subject yourself to toxic relationships, but don't, what's the word? Don't put any regrets in the back of your mind because you're going to make yourself feel guilty. It's going to tear you down and you're going to self-destruct. And that's the last thing I want for anybody. And I am a, an example of somebody who was obsessed with self-destruction after Santi passed away. And I'm trying to get better with it. You know, we're, none of us are perfect. Um, but with that being said, uh, you know, the bargaining is, is a really deep one. Um, depression, uh, we, we spoke on that too. I'm sure an overwhelming feeling of sadness is, is the case for a lot of people. Um, I feel like depression, like I mentioned before, was kind of one of those buzzwords that people just kind of label themselves as like, oh, well, I'm depressed. Are you depressed or sad? Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, acceptance. Um, acceptance is different for every single person who loses somebody. Um, it's still to this day hard for me to accept that he's gone, but doing what I was able to do for him. Um, I think that acceptance finally made its way into my heart and celebrate him any way that I can and her, of course. Um, but so moving forward, um, we have the triggers of grief and not a lot of people know that there are triggers when it comes to grieving and it, it can come from memories. It can come from anniversaries, things that you see that you remember doing with that person. Um, things that you smell like a certain perfume or something. I, I can tell you firsthand that um, certain people that I've walked out of my life or certain people that have, and, and again, that's something else that I wanted to bring up was grieving. Isn't just loss, you know, grieving is, you know, cutting ties with a friend, cutting ties with a family member. It doesn't necessarily have to be with loss, you know, and those memories come up in your Facebook, of course, uh, for you social media people, um, the anniversaries come up, you know, whatever it is, that trigger is always there. And if you don't prepare yourselves for said triggers, I feel like, uh, you know, grieving becomes harder, but a lot of people aren't aware of triggers. They just kind of Oh, well, I came across, uh, you know, something when we were moving and it reminded me of so-and-so and I missed them. And all of a sudden you're back to square one. Um, triggers, I, I feel like if you know you're getting ready to have a conversation with somebody or you know you're going to come across something that uh, reminds you of that person, the best advice I could be would be to take those small steps to prepare for that trigger. Um, triggers can sometimes be very obvious. Um, like for me, uh, huge triggers are just having conversations with my mom or seeing her face to face because I'm reminded of all the things that were said and done. Um, same with my dad. I kind of feel like when I talk to him, uh, it, you know, it falls on deaf ears because he doesn't listen or try to understand how I'm feeling about certain things. So again, prepare yourself for those triggers. When I have conversations with my mom, I tell myself, okay, She's not going to listen to you on this point. 
So just, you know, de-escalate whatever you need to do or diffuse any situation that you feel like you're going to put yourself in that is unavoidable. Um, for those small triggers, I feel like they're kind of unavoidable. Um, I, the best thing I can say is just try your best to, you know, take a deep breath, take a step back and try to figure out why it's triggering you. Um, I know the word trigger uh, for some people kind of comes off as a laugh and, you know, haha, somebody said the word trigger, <laughs> whatever, but um, triggers are a very real thing um, in mental health stuff. And when I started researching what triggers were, you know, all the memes, all the, all the laughs people were having about it stopped being funny to me because it's like, okay, I myself have triggers that I was never aware of. Um, I had a lot of anger issues uh, as a teenager and uh, that morphed into the depression that was there, but it kind of evolved itself. And now I've become emotionally intelligent enough to be aware of what things trigger me. So just try to prepare yourselves for, um, for those triggers you know are coming up. And for the small triggers that you can't prepare for, just try to figure out why it's setting you off, try to understand why it's setting you off. And then you can take the necessary steps to take care of yourself um, for when that trigger hits you. That comes into self-care again. Uh, again, I will preach that same word every single podcast. Self-care is the most important part of any struggle that we have in mental health. If you don't take care of yourself, then, you know, it's, it's kind of impossible to get through anything. And obviously I want you guys to do better for yourselves. I want to be able to help you any way I can. So if you see a trigger, if you hit a trigger, put yourself first, take a step back from everybody or anything that's around you and, you know, everything will be fine. Um, so the symptoms of grieving are both shock and disbelief sadness guilt anger fear and physical pain um every single one of those i feel like has helped or has hit me um in one way or another um the shock and disbelief came when uh, i had one of my close friends call me about santi and i didn't want to believe it and it didn't process until like 10 minutes later and i couldn't stop crying about it um same with same with amy um i ended up calling my mom and just kind of had a meltdown about it um, and became vulnerable because, you know, both of those people were very close to my heart. Um, both of those people have, had an impact in my life. Um, I'm grateful for the time that I was given with both of them on this planet. Um, the shock and disbelief, I feel like, doesn't ever really go away. Um, it's been two years almost since Amy passed away, and it's still hard to believe. And, you know, I have her prior card on a little artboard that I made to help me cope with her loss. Um, and then we have shirts for Santi that, you know, I have in my closet that I wear for to honor him. Um, that doesn't go away. You know, I feel like when you think about how fast time goes and seeing as though it's already almost been a year since Santi passed away, it's already almost been two years since Amy passed away. And that never truly goes away you know people say that grieving doesn't ever stop that hurt of loss never stops but you know 
time doesn't heal all wounds and it just it goes to show how differently people grieve and i feel like grieving just kind of becomes part of you you know that that hurt that you feel in your heart um never truly goes away so with, with the sadness and anger you know of course we spoke about that uh sadness i feel like is perfectly normal same with the anger um fear i kind of feel like you know that one's hard to talk about the fear part because i feel like if you're in a dangerous neighborhood okay i, I can see the fear part being being a symptom or uh you know somebody's caught in something shady and they passed away or their life was taken by somebody and you have a fear for your life and you don't know when it's going to happen to you um I feel like the the fear is circumstantial as well. Um, I don't think I felt scared um, with either loss because both of them were tragic losses and both of them were, you know, unavoidable for both of them. You know, the universe has a plan for all of us, unfortunately, some, some before others. I don't think the fear part ever affected me. Um, Physical pain now, I feel like that's everybody is severely affected by the physical pain. You know, of course, stress on your back and, uh, you know, just stress on your body for not sleeping, you know, whatever it is, that physical pain builds over time. If you don't take care of yourself uh, physically, you know, that one I know is kind of tough for a lot of people because I feel like for me, I didn't go to the gym for a while because. I, I, it was hard just to get out of bed. You know, it was hard just to process that I couldn't sleep for a week when Santi passed away. I was having nightmares, you know, I was seeing him in my sleep and waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to sleep. Um, same with, same with Amy. I, I think it was nine days before I slept when she passed away. And it was about a week before I could sleep after Santi passed away. Um, and it's just, Again, if you don't take care of yourself physically, it's hard to take care of yourself mentally as it is, but both of them play a factor in our mental health. You know, um, I, the best thing I could suggest on the physical pain part, um, try to take walks, just, you know, even if it's around your parking lot, you know, uh, at, at some point there was a time I was in my house for like eight days. Um, I didn't go anywhere because I was so upset that Santi had his life taken away. I was so upset that Amy passed away. And, you know, you have to get yourself out of the house. Even if you're sitting on the porch, it's still something, you know, I'm not telling you to go to the gym and do a two hour and 45 minute workout and make sure you take your pre-workout, you know, but, you know, just take a walk, you know, just down the road and turn back and go home, you know, whatever. Um, self-care comes in so many different forms and i feel like if you could start taking walks um if you can go to the park and you know walk through nature or whatever exercise is still exercise you're still getting your heart going you're still making sure that you're not uh sabotaging yourself um i i'm guilty of sabotage sometimes and it, it's hard once you break that once you break that uh taking care of yourself, you start getting bad habits and you can become consumed with that sabotage. And definitely, you know, 
try to put your yourselves first mentally, emotionally, and physically, because when you do things become so much easier for, for you. Um, so here, here are some ways to cope with grief. Um, acknowledging your pain is something I talked about with Heather, something I talked about with Tiffany, um, being self-aware that you're hurting is the most important part of healing. If you can't acknowledge what's bothering you, if you can't acknowledge the pain you're feeling, nothing is ever going to improve. Like say you broke your leg three days ago and you still haven't gone to the doctor. You don't want to acknowledge that that leg is broken. You're, you're just sitting there resting it like, oh, I'm going to be fine. If you don't acknowledge the pain that you're going through, going through excuse me then you can't heal you can't um get better and of course in the grieving process that's what we want to do we want to get better we want to be able to deal with all these emotions and deal with everything that life puts us through and grief is one of the hardest things to overcome again grieving doesn't go away it just becomes easier to do so. So acknowledging that pain is the most important step here. Um, accepting that things can trigger you, uh, that, gr that grief can trigger you. Um, again, we talked about those triggers. If you prepare yourself for conversations you're going to have with somebody, um, if you prepare yourself for a certain trigger you know is coming up, um, that is another very important step. I, I you know, when I wrote these down, I feel like every single one of them are severely important. And there's one that I wrote here that I feel like not everybody is going to be able to do because I know how hard it was for me. Um, and the uh, third step, everybody grieves differently. Don't ever let somebody tell you that it takes somebody six months to grieve. It takes somebody two weeks to grieve because that's not true. I'm still grieving a friend that died almost two years ago. And, you know, while I'm okay and I celebrate her any way that I can, I have her initials tattooed on me. Those are ways that I coped with her passing away. Don't ever let somebody tell you that you can't grieve for a year. You can't grieve for two years. You know, when somebody loses a parent, don't ever be like, oh, well, they're in a better place. Everybody grieves differently and people need to start acknowledging that in this society because I feel like bosses are, are so dismissive of people grieving. Uh, parents are very dismissive of their of their kids grieving a lost friend. I, I can honestly tell you that when my friends passed away, my parents didn't acknowledge that my friends passed away or didn't really seem to care. It was just kind of a, oh, well, I'm sorry. Um, I forgot they passed away kind of thing. So, you know, whatever. Grieving has no time limit. And for everybody who is listening, always make sure you remember that. Grieving comes with no time limit. Um, if you have somebody who is a really close friend of yours who lost somebody, just be there for them. Don't sit there and, you know, say that they can't grieve a year later or for, or, you know, whatever it is, 
it's different for everybody. Now, this one is the one that kind of I was a little iffy about writing, but I know how important it is that I wrote it down because for me, seeking out face-to-face support. Now, I know there's people that have social anxiety. I know there's people that don't like being around people, especially after this pandemic. I can honestly tell you that being in crowds makes me nervous. Being around people again makes me nervous. It doesn't have to be in the same house or the same room. You know, there, there's telehealth. A lot of these therapists are doing telehealth, uh, tele appointments. And when I started my therapist, uh, she was moving to Orlando and I was nervous before our first session because one, it was right when the pandemic was a thing. So it was like, okay. I'm going into the office with her. I'm going to be meeting with a person, talking about my feelings again, kind of like hitting that reset button after my therapist in Jersey, right? And when she messaged me and told me that she was moving to Orlando and her office, uh, you know, she was just going to be doing appointments over the computer, I was a little, you know, nervous because I've never done a video call, especially talking about feelings and stuff like that. And I was a little upset because I wanted that face-to-face interaction and I was unsure about telehealth. Um, And when we had our first session, it felt natural because you can see the emotion in her face. You know, you could see that she actually cared to listen to me um, and to be able to acknowledge what I was struggling with. And I, I just lost another person before our first session and she validated everything that I was struggling with. Uh, She helped me, Uh, She gave me guidance on what to improve. And, you know, here we are almost two years later. And I can honestly say mentally I'm at the best place I could ever be in right now. Uh, You know, I was, I'm better than I was yesterday. Uh, I'm better than I was last week. And I'm sure as hell a lot better than I was three years ago. And while Jessica is responsible for a lot of, uh, breathe, she's responsible for breathing life into me again. You know, that, that, that push that she gave me, that encouragement that I never had growing up. I did the work and I got to where I'm at today. And, you know, like I said, last podcast with Victoria, I don't brag. I don't talk myself up and I, I definitely don't think of myself higher than anybody else. But I will acknowledge that all of the things that I have, all the things in my house, all the things that I have going in my life with this mental health journey, I put the work in with that encouragement that she gave me with her kind words every single session that we have. I wouldn't be able to have conversations like I have with my mom, my dad. I wouldn't be able to grieve the way that I've grieved and be able to heal from those specific situations. So again, it, the face-to-face doesn't have to be in the same room with somebody. It can be telehealth. It can be a phone call, uh, a video call, you know, whatever you think is the best for you. Um, face-to-face is very important, in my opinion. Um, again, doesn't have to be for everybody. But I felt it was important enough to, to, to note for everybody because having that per- that person to person interaction is 
super important, especially to grow. So again, forever shouting out Jessica. Thank you so much. Um, whenever you do listen to this, uh, I, I appreciate everything that you've given to me mentally and spiritually. You're absolutely godsend. Um, the next one I wrote down was support yourself emotionally by taking care of yourself physically. Now, again, not telling you to go to the gym for, for an hour, not telling you to go to the gym at all. You can literally take a walk to a park or take a walk down the street or in your parking lot. It doesn't have to be a strenuous activity, but getting yourself outside and getting that vitamin D from the sun and whatever else can, can help you in the long run. Uh, you know, try, try dieting, you know, I'm not telling you to, to be completely vegan and stop eating what you're eating, but you know, our, our bodies are the domain that hold, hold up here, that hold your brain, you know, that, that brain while taking care of yourself mentally is, is great. You know, I feel really good about the things that I'm talking about on here in previous podcasts and what I talk about in my therapy sessions, but if you're not taking care of yourself physically, then you're slowly going to start declining again. Um, drink more water, you know, put, put the soda down and drink one a week or whatever, you know, try eating better, try going outside and taking walks, you know, pick up a physical activity. You know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, you know, ride your bike down the street, turn back, go home. Um, I'm in no way an advocate for going to the gym and taking care of themselves. Cause again, I was very obsessed with self-sabotaging and destructing, but I acknowledge that I can do better and I am slowly doing better. And one day at a time, guys, progress, not perfection. I will forever preach those words because those words help me every single day. And I hope it can help somebody else. Now, let's talk about the different types of grieving. So there is anticipatory, yeah, anticipatory grief, disenfranchised grief, and then the complicated grief. So the anticipatory grief, um, I feel like it's just kind of have to do with family members that are really sick and you just, you kind of expect it. Um, I feel like those maybe a little easier to heal from because you know you don't want to see your family members struggle you don't want to see them living on a hospital bed for the rest of their life and you know whatever um i know for me with amy uh i didn't expect her to pass away especially being so young but i am grateful that she doesn't have to suffer that she doesn't have to go to the doctors every single week and you know, them give her more medicine or them tell her that something else that she's struggling with that just came up or whatever. I'm grateful she does not have to struggle anymore. I will forever pr uh, praise the human being that she was to me. And, you know, for anybody who has lost a family member due to illness, I'm sure can relate to the sentiment that you're glad they're not hurting anymore while you miss them you're just happy to see them finally be able to rest, finally be able to get away from all that pain and all the misery, whatever else they're going through. Um, I hate seeing people have to deal with loss. 
but unfortunately it's it's part of life we all have to deal with it at some stage of our life and we all grieve differently from each other um i feel like the anticipatory grief is something that everybody has gone through once in their life we expected that person to pass away and it sucks um and i hate hate more than anything losing a family member or a friend that i knew was sick but if i can go to sleep at night and think that they don't have to suffer anymore and i will celebrate their memory and all the good times that i have with that person i'm okay with that i'm okay with expecting somebody to pass away and being able to acknowledge that now they're not hurting anymore um and they're in a better place they don't have to take all that medicine and further hurt themselves so if i upset anybody with that sentence i apologize in advance because it's not something that i'm intending to do it's something that i feel everybody needs to try and remember celebrate your loved ones when they're alive when they pass away it will help the grieving process so much now this one i feel like is is a really big one um disenfranchised grief is something that i kind of spoke on earlier when you lose a friend um and people just kind of like dismiss um that person in your life like oh well that person wasn't good for your life. So, you know, whatever, F them. I'm like, while I agree with you, that person meant something to me once upon a time in my life. And so-and-so walked out of my life or I cut them, cut ties with them. It hurts me, especially being a person who tries to love everybody, who tries to treat everybody with the best possible way that I can. And seeing somebody walk out of my life and not being able to be upset about it because people are so dismissive of of people that lose friends um i feel like the disenfranchised grief is huge for a lot of people um when you cannot openly mourn somebody because of the circumstances you know somebody uh took their life or you know there was some shady details behind why they passed away and you can't grief properly because uh you're being stigmatized you're basically being told oh well you can't feel this way because blah 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 or you know uh, somebody who has a miscarriage and i've seen people be very dismissive on miscarriages and it breaks my heart when somebody has to go through that um for anybody who has had to deal with any of this loss i, I just want to offer you a piece of my heart and and say that I'm here for you any way that I can be for those friends that will listen to this and that might feel this kind of hurt. Um, I just want to let you guys know that I care about you all and you can grief in private. And if you happen to grieve openly about said situations, I will 100% always support you. Um, it's something that's so frustrating with today's society because everything is stigmatized. Everything is put in a box and labeled. And I try, I have tried for the last 30 years of my life to break out of that box. And I think I'm doing a pretty damn good job doing so. And speaking out for the men that have been stigmatized for mental health for their entire life, or for those people who are afraid to speak out because they're afraid of being hospitalized I will speak out for anybody 
who needs it. And I will support anybody who wants that support. I will be your cheerleader. I will be that person in your corner until, you know, until things get better or until you don't want me there. I will, I will forever be there for anybody. Um, the complicated grief, um, the pain doesn't ease at all. And it keeps you from resuming your life. Um, losing a spouse, losing a child, losing a sibling. Um, it, it stalls your life. It consumes you. It makes you double, uh, think twice about everything. It pretty much puts life at a halt as fast as time moves. I can honestly tell you when Amy passed away these last two years, obviously, cause the pandemic has felt like a blur. Um, I have no concept of time. Same with same with Santi's death. We're we're already almost in June, and we're already nearing a year since he passed away. And for the life of me, my brain still can't process the fact that it's almost been a year. It's almost been two years. And complicated grief, I feel like hits a lot of people. A lot of people. I feel like most people probably resonate with the complicated grief because of how people are in society because of how dismissive people are of your loss you know uh, Santi um, had had a lot of really close people to him and his passing has impacted all of us um, in some way or another some more than others but again it's not a competition so I'm not I'm not going to go there um, but it, it kind of puts a halt to your life and that healing, while it happens every day that you, you know, you may not be aware of, um, that healing is possible. You know, uh, a better life is possible. A healthier life is possible. And when you remind yourself that all these things are possible again, I feel like it becomes so much easier for you to to grieve, to, to heal from that loss. Um, complicated grief, I feel like is something that I relate to probably harder than any of the other two because of who I've lost and how I've lost them. Um, so for, for those of you who have to deal with this type of grief, um, you know, you are not alone. Um, you have people behind you and, you know, people in your corner that love you very much um if if i can be that person for somebody that they wish they had when they were growing up i will be i will be that person uh on that island if i have to be a lighthouse for you i will be so i i just wanted to express that because complicated grief is something i'm very passionate about um uh, you know, like I said, I was obsessed with the self-sabotage because of uh, who I've lost and how I've lost. Um, so here are some things that you do not want to say to a grieving person. You'll be okay after a while. Absolutely hate that. There's a reason for everything. Do not say that to somebody who is grieving. Please, for, for you listeners, don't say that to anybody, especially, oh my God. It is probably the most dismissive possible thing you can say to somebody. Um, just give it time. Time heals. Grieving is something that is very sensitive um, in every single way. 
you know, whether whether it's the anticipatory disenfranchised or complicated grief. Grieving is sensitive and people need to approach people who are grieving as such. There was some uh, certain phrases when I was researching for this podcast that I was going to write on here and I kind of just stayed away from writing because of how awful they were. And they were so true. There, there was there was one. I'll, I'll say it because it's a safe place to express it. And it's something I feel like people may have heard. I really hope not. I When I say this, I, I pray to God or whoever that you pray to that nobody has ever had to hear this. Um, it's said that uh, everything's going to be okay. You can make another child. Um, you can make another child. Um, you're still young. I, when I read that phrase, I was infuriated because I have very close friends who cannot have children or couldn't have a child because of complications. Um, for all that is sacred in this world, I beg whoever hears this to never say that to somebody, to never allow somebody to say that to somebody you care about. Because holy Jesus, I, I'm speechless even thinking about it again because of how ridiculous it is. I, that is the most vile thing I could ever hear in my life. So I'm just, I'm going to move past that one because that one's a little rough. And again, I am so sorry for anybody who that one upset. Um, I feel like it was something that needed to be said. Um, so I'm sending you a, a tremendous amount of strength that I can after that. Um, please don't say that to anybody guys. I please. Um, last one is stay busy and don't think about it. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've heard that phrase from everybody who doesn't seem to give a shit about somebody grieving. Oh, keep your mind busy. It'll be okay. You'll be okay. And in and, and due time, the time heals comment. Don't say that to anybody either, because again, you're dismissing anything that somebody is going through. Please don't say that to anybody. Um, so here's some ways that you can be uh, that you can help grieving friends. Be present. Be there for somebody. You don't have to offer any criticism. Uh, not criticism. Uh, advice. You don't have to offer them suggestions. Just being there for anybody who is grieving speaks volumes. And I'm not saying just be there the week of that passing or the month of that passing. Check in with them time to time. Let them know that they're there for you. Will they reply? Maybe. If they don't reply, that's okay too. If they have that chirp in the back of their mind that, hey, this person reached out to me, they actually care. They actually care that I'm grieving and they care about how I'm feeling. So if I need something, I might go to them. Don't be there for somebody and have expectations. Don't do something for somebody and expect things in return, especially, especially if somebody's grieving. I, I, I've, I've had people, 
use my grieving against me saying, oh, well, I was there for you when this person passed away. Why can't you be there for me? Well, I wasn't thinking that we were keeping score on being there for a friend. I'm a little confused. Um, don't be there with expectations. Be there because you want to be there. Be there because you care about that person. When you go through life with expectations, uh, you're going to get disappointed probably more times often than not. Um, share a memory with that person. Um, it doesn't, it could be a picture, it can be a song and tell a funny story. I have so many stories about Santi that I wish I can share with some people. You know, George is probably one of the only one, George and Javier are probably the only two I can share the stories with because they can relate um, to how funny it was or they were there for that situation. Um, I won't mention her name because uh, again, it's a very sensitive topic. Um, I would love to share memories and I just, I know it's such a sore, sore subject. So I, I try to be careful on, on how I word things to some people, because I know grieving, uh, it takes, it takes time. Um, being empathetic with somebody is, is very important too. If you can show that you care about somebody and that, you know, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Please tell me how I can be there for you. Or, you know, I'm here if you need to talk to somebody. You, that's empathetic. That's, that's showing that you either can relate to that pain or that you want to help them through that pain. Um, staying connected, again, goes back to being present. Keep up with them. You know, make sure, hey, it's been a little while since we talked. I hope you're doing well. You know, I, I would love to have lunch with you or I would love to talk with you again. It's been a while. Um, again, staying connected with people is super important. Um, when you're grieving, I know the one thing that I wanted more than anything was for somebody to care that I was struggling and people were there for me. Um, I, I can't really say family was, uh, you know, my brother, he checked in on me time to time, but my parents and anybody outside of them didn't really seem to care that, I was grieving. So bring yourself to stay connected with people when, when you've lost somebody, when, when they've lost somebody. Um, so I, I wrote down some things that have both been suggested by my therapist and for things that I have done myself uh, to help myself in the grieving process. So you can do a memorial balloon. Um, if you go on Amazon for like $20, you can buy a pack of the little Chinese lanterns where you can write whatever you want on the balloon, light on a fire and let it off at like some park or special place that reminds you of that person. Um, I just did one for Santi and I will read that post here shortly. Um, you can do a good deed every day of the month leading up to that anniversary or, you know, the date of their passing, um, that can help you a lot. Um, that was something Jessica actually suggested to me with Amy, uh, when it was coming up to the first birthday that she had, uh, first birthday that she wasn't here for, I didn't know how to process and not being able to talk to Amy. So Jessica said, uh, how about you do uh, a good deed every day leading up to her birthday of that month um, or every day leading up to that week of her birthday? 
Um, and it, it helps, you know, you can do a good deed. Uh, you can write uh, something for, for that person for every day of the week uh, up until that anniversary. And then finally you can like put it in a jar and, you know, let it off into sea or something. I don't know. I'm just throwing out suggestions for you guys. I feel like that could be really huge for a lot of people because I know when you're grieving, your brain doesn't exactly know what to do because it's kind of in that panic and uh, you're kind of slipping into that black hole. Um, celebrate them, guys. You know, keep their memory alive any way that you can. I, I try to I try to quote Santi all the time with with George when we when we get online, um, and it helps. It helps a lot. And I know everybody is a little different when it comes to dealing with the loss of a loved one, but celebrating them is probably one of the most important things you could do. Um, you could do a memorial shrine too. Uh, with Amy, I have, uh, like I said, on the artboard, um, I have her prayer card there. I have the tattoo of her initials with angel wings on there. Um, one of my friends uh, who did a, like a little prayer card here, here. And then of course her son, um, I have that hung up on my wall to, in honor for her. And she does like little drawings on cards for his birthday every year. Um, so there's nothing, there's no wrong way to grieve uh, as long as, as long as it's healthy, you know, um, cause there are very unhealthy ways to grieve. Like uh, for example, with me, um, the sabotaging thing was part of me grieving. Um, and it's not the healthiest way. Um, it got me through. Um, I wish I could have done a lot of things differently, but you know, again, I, I try to do all that I can do, you know, uh, my best is good enough for me. I'm not trying to win the award of how to grieve the best way. You know, I, I'm just trying to, grieve the only way that I know how to grieve and most of my life it's been dealing with this mental health struggles and journey alone you know and now that I'm in therapy and have this Facebook group now I'm not alone and I'm trying to remind myself that I'm not alone and that it's it's okay to not be okay um you can do a tattoo like I said uh, with their initials you know for those of you who are anti-tattoo or whatever uh, you know, that's, that's fine too. Um, support groups, see the support groups are good for some people, but I kind of feel like you latch onto, you latch onto those people, like as a dependency and it's, it's kind of like a toxic relationship. Uh, it's like toxic, uh, trauma bonding. That's the word. Um, I, I just feel the, the support groups are a little, they're a little iffy because of some of the people, um, might have different views than you on suicides, a, a really big one, um, and, you know, drug abuse or whatever, however that person passed away. It, it's just such a, such a, such a way to find yourself slipping further into that dark rabbit hole that you don't want to be in. Not telling people not to look for support groups, but just, just be careful of uh, pr protect your peace uh, if that makes sense protect your peace from from those people because uh, again trauma bonding can be very dangerous um all right so i was gonna read what i wrote for for amy for her 30th birthday 
uh, well, this one was for her 31st birthday. Um, I let off a balloon for her. Um, so this one reads, Dear Amy, today you would have been 31 years young. January 10th, 1991, the perfect human being was born. The day I met you was so organic and so great. You were instantly welcoming and always such a joy to talk to. You're the first woman to ever show me love and compassion. I'll be forever grateful for the day that I met you. We shared sunsets and beautiful skies with each other. And now that you no longer have to fight, you're my everyday sky and the sunset that welcomes me with a warm embrace as you did. If, our, if I knew our time was going to be cut short, I would have hugged you tight and told you how much you meant to me. I love and miss you so much, Amy. Every day, everything I do is to show you how much strength you gave to me. Love always and forever, Chris. So that was my friend Amy who passed away in 2020. Um, she went in for surgery and unfortunately had an organ failure and uh, she passed away. Um, very sudden. And I'm just grateful she doesn't have to suffer anymore. Um, she is truly missed, but like I said before, uh, celebrate them guys, keep that memory alive. Uh, it doesn't have to be another person, another person's ashes that you have in your house. It doesn't have to be another person that passed away in your life. Keep that memory of that person alive, do the things that they loved to do, um, and celebrate them, watch their favorite movie, listen to their favorite song. But it's also important to remember to pace yourself on, on healing. Don't, think everything is going to come all at once because it's not going to now for for santi i wrote this one there's a destiny which makes us brothers none goes his way alone all that we sent into the lives of others come back into our own defeat the me of yesterday romans 116 um and that was it that was something santi loved to say was defeat the me of yesterday so i had to incorporate that into that post um this one reads santi today would have been your 30th birthday the big 3-0 but life had other plans unfortunately and we can't physically be with you to celebrate one of the greatest men i've ever known in my entire life there are a few people that have had have a massive impact on our lives and you change and you change the course of the path you walk you were one of those people for me 2018 was one of the darkest times of my entire life and you somehow knew to reach out to me even though we weren't close we only knew each other from high school from then my life drastically changed for the absolute better and there you were through every season every trial and every struggle rooting rooting me on i could still hear those famous words in every conversation we had i'm proud of you bro <laughs> every time we talk talk we had about life family loss just makes me smile because we always bounced off of each other always learned something from each other you're one of my biggest supporters with this mental health journey and i am eternally grateful for for that faithful night i gained a brother while you may not be here in person i know your spirit is heavily felt here those words of encouragement echo through the halls of my home and i'm more than certain everyone else's Happy, happy heavenly birthday, my brother. I love and miss you forever. Thank you for believing in me and giving me the opportunity to walk alongside you in this lifetime. So that pretty much, that says how I feel about um, 
Santi and where I'm at in the grieving process with him. Um, I lit off a balloon uh, this past weekend for him at Antelope Nature Park. And <clears throat> Caleb was there for me. Um, and I'm grateful for him. I also visited his memorial site on his birthday um, right after dinner and played the song that makes me think of him. And as I was leaving the memorial site, he was, or I mean, as soon as the song was over and the candle got blown out by the wind because he's so stubborn, he can't wait for, for people to sing happy birthday to him. So he blew out the candle right away. Um, somebody honked at me and I thought it was a, you know, like a respectful honk. Like they were just driving by acknowledging, Hey, you know, you're not alone. You're going through that loss. I'm sorry. As I got in my car and sat there just to collect my thoughts, um, some guy pulls up right next to me and gets out of his car and walks to my window. And he asked me, he's like, Hey man, is that your friend? Uh, did you lose your friend? And I kind of told him the situation and, uh, you know, he's like, I lost a friend in a car accident too. And I saw you there and just wanted to say that there needs to be more people like you in the world. And, um, you know, I'm sure he's very grateful that you're seeing him and you're celebrating him still. And I just wanted to let you know that, uh, you know, there needs to be more people like you in the world. And his name was Nick. I can't find him on social media still. Um, I don't know if this podcast will ever reach to him. I know that's kind of unrealistic, but uh, Nick, thank you so much. Uh, you don't, you don't know me. We've never met each other until Friday, until Thursday. And you took time out of your day, out of your life to tell me that I wasn't alone and that what I was doing for Santi, he appreciated. So Nick, thank you so much um, for all those listeners out there. Um, if you're going through a loss right now, please know that you are not alone, um, that this grieving process is really hard for pretty much anybody. Um, but just know that there are, there are people out there that care about you. There are people out there that love you. And if this podcast can help anybody, I'm grateful. Um, Please leave your thoughts uh, in the podcast. I always try to leave a comment section here on YouTube or on Spotify, iTunes. Um, like, share, and subscribe, guys. Thank you so much for all your support. Um, before we close today's session, um, I just wanted to read the quote of the week. And this one I felt was very fitting because I wrote it for Santi, and I found it online a couple of days ago. Uh, it reads, grief is like the ocean. It comes on waves, waves ebbing and flowing. Sometimes the water is calm and sometimes it's overwhelming. All we can do is learn to swim. To me, that's so powerful. Grieving is something that you're not taught how to do. That there are resources out there that can help you, but nobody has taught how to grieve. We're not born with the skills of grieving. Unfortunately, we have to be thrown to the fire and we have to see if we come out like diamonds. Uh, you know, again, anybody that this podcast helps, I'm, I'm grateful for you and your support. Um, I'm grateful for all the subscribers on YouTube, all the followers on Spotify. 
Again, I'm going to leave a comment section on this podcast. If this podcast helped you, I'm great, grateful. Um, always be there for each other. Uh, check your friends, even your strong friends. And most importantly, please be gentle with yourselves. Thank you so much. And I hope you guys have a great day.